Hey folks, Andy Patton here. Miami point guard Isaiah Wong threatened to enter the transfer portal if he doesn't get a raise. A fascinating wrinkle in the new NIL era. With NCAA's unwillingness to step in so far, this could spiral out of control. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some transfer updates, a preview of Gonzaga's baseball weekend series against LMU, and a fan story Friday, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I want to thank all of you who've continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day as well as those of you who have checked the show out on our YouTube channel. If you have not done so yet, very simple. Go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, find the feed, hit that subscribe button. You will get access to all of the YouTube videos as they continue to come out. All right, a little sneak peek behind the curtain for how I normally do this show. Some of you probably know this, but I typically record for the next day's show at around 4.30 or 5 p.m. the previous day, depending on, obviously, if there are games or any updates that need to be made. For this episode, I decided to wait until Friday morning to record, and I'm glad that I did because we had the update that came out yesterday evening, Thursday evening, as I'm recording this, about Miami point guard Isaiah Wong. If you have not heard this story yet... Quite simply, Wong was the starting point guard, is the starting point guard for the Miami Hurricanes, who of course went to the Elite Eight this past season as a 10 seed. Miami very publicly hired, effectively, Nigel Pack, a transfer guard who was considering Gonzaga among many other schools. They brought him in and publicly announced that he was getting a $400,000 contract, effectively, for two years through one of NIL's, excuse me, one of Miami's partnerships through the NIL program. So Isaiah Wong, who was the starting point guard at Miami, the guy who led them to the Elite Eight, was thinking, hey, why is this guy getting paid presumably more than him by probably a significant amount of money, although I do not know the factors there, and thought, well, that's not fair. I'm the one who actually took us to this level. I'm the one who you know, was the catalyst for us making this deep run and having some more notoriety. I should be getting paid as much or more than this new player on our roster. And up to this point, I want to be clear. I agree with Isaiah Wong. There is nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with wanting to establish your worth. If you believe that, obviously, this player A, in this case, Nigel Pack, is worth this amount of money to this program, what am I worth to this program? Or, now that you're allowed to do this, what am I worth to other programs? In any field... In most fields, I guess not every field, but in the majority of fields uh, in a capitalist society like America, you get to determine your worth. You get to go explore opportunities to make, to have other jobs, to look at what, what company is going to pay you the best, what company is going to compensate you the most fairly for the skills that you provide. College basketball up to this point has not had that opportunity out there and existing. It now does. And players are starting to realize with the help of their agents or advisors or whomever is on their in their kind of camp that this is the kind of thing that they can do. There's a lot of vitriol out there towards Wong specifically for making this decision. I can 
understand, and we're going to talk about it. I can understand not liking that this is how this process works. I get that 1,000%. But this is currently how the process works. And if Isaiah, Isaiah Wong wants to determine what his value is on the, at this point now, open market, because that's effectively how this works, then he has every right to do so. This is a crappy situation. It is unfortunate. It looks bad for Miami. Miami's biggest mistake, in my mind, was flaunting the hell out of how much money they were planning to pay Nigel Pack. I get why they did it. It was hopeful that they would entice other players to potentially join their program, but not seeing the obvious side effect of alienating the current players on your roster was a miscalculation by the team and something that they are dealing with internally. There's already been some posts about the strife they're having trying to deal with this situation. So I don't blame Isaiah Wong. I think people who are looking at the situation and blaming the players are not I think that's a misrepresentation of what's happening. Players should have always had the right to evaluate their fair market. This, the way that it's currently operating, however, is not good. And I don't want to say that this is fine. This is how it should go. I think there are some pretty obvious problems. And unfortunately, the NCAA, especially with Mark Emmert, who hasn't exactly been the kind of person who would step up and take a stand in his 12-year tenure, now is even less likely to do so because he has more than one foot out the door. He's planning to leave within a calendar year or right around a calendar year if they don't find a replacement before then. So I don't expect the NCAA to do a whole lot of anything, and I don't expect this situation to just resolve itself. So we're going to be in a pretty interesting spot in college basketball, and the unfortunate, very severe ramification, if things do not change, is to mid-major programs. And Gonzaga is in a very interesting spot, and I think this is a really fascinating and also somewhat terrifying kind of area for them to be because they are not they they play like a big budget program in the sense that they are you know perennially a number one seed or a very high seed one of the top 15 top 10 teams in the country pretty much all the time over the last five or six years with very few exceptions so they they're playing at the same level as the big boys as the programs that have a ton of money have a ton of boosters are in big cities all of that stuff but they are not They are in a smaller city in Spokane. There are some big schools that are in small cities. That's not entirely untrue, but most of those programs have football. Most, you know, if they're in Power Five conferences, they have more money, they have more boosters, they have more contracts with other companies, they have more abilities to get money into students' pockets than Gonzaga does. This puts them in an interesting spot. I have continued to stay on this podcast and I continue to maintain that most of Gonzaga's struggles pulling in recruits and transfers this offseason have been due to uncertainty regarding their roster. All five of Gonzaga's starters have declared for the NBA draft. Only two of them are certainly gone, and Andrew Nempard, who does not have the ability to return to school, and Chet Holmgren, who is obviously going to go pro. Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Rasir Bolden all could potentially return to Gonzaga should they choose to. Gonzaga also plans to go into next season with Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas as the starting guards, so players are a bit hesitant to come to Gonzaga because they do not know what the role is going to look like, what their playing time might look like. I maintain that that is a big factor here, but I'd be lying if I didn't think that NIL had some contribution here. I think Gonzaga has some money to throw around. They have boosters. They have some some high-profile 
clients, some customers, some people who are willing to spend some real money to get some talent into this program. Do they have the same amount of resources as a North Carolina or a Kansas or a Kentucky or a Miami for that matter? No, they probably don't. And ultimately, if that's what it, if it ends up going in that direction where it remains unregulated and these players can get these very significant contracts from other schools, it's going to be tough. And that's why there needs to be some level of regulation. I don't want to restrain what players are able to make or necessarily prevent them from being able to explore their options. That is where I I don't think we should be doing that. A lot of higher level players at this point are probably going to continue to pursue the transfer portal at least once in their career, and they're going to treat it like free agency. I just had the best season of my career. I'm going to enter the transfer portal. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm leaving the school that I'm at, but I'm going to see what other schools are going to offer. And yes, this is very unfortunate for mid-major programs because they will not be able to pay that player or compensate that player for what other other mid other high-level programs will be able to do. A, a high-level Power 5 program could pay you X amount of money to be their eighth guy off the bench, whereas a mid-major program might say, look, you're going to be our star. You're going to average 20 and 10 for us. You're going to play 36 minutes a game, but we can only give you X. And, and players are going to have to reckon with that. They're going to have to make some decisions on what they want to do. Some players may opt to take more money and go be the sixth or seventh or eighth guy at a Power 5 program. If, those, if you're not going to be a starter at a Power 5 program, there's a decent chance that you're not going to make a lot of money playing professional basketball. So this might be your best opportunity to get compensated. We should not fault kids for making that decision. Of course, choosing to stay at a mid-major program and be a high-level starter there could in, you know, increase your chances of getting drafted into the NBA or getting a lucrative deal overseas in Europe. So there are some things that these students are going to have to weigh. I think this is going to be very interesting. I do think that unless there are some laws that come in, whether it's legislating how big a contracts these kids can get, how many times they can enter the portal, uh, just how big the budgets for each individual basketball program can be, whatever they end up deciding, uh, if they end up making any decisions at all, which I think we're definitely heading in that direction. I just don't know how soon the NCAA will intervene based on recent history. It doesn't seem like it's going to be anytime super soon, but I'm I'm curious how that will play out because there, there, there are some things that are going to need to change. Isaiah Wong publicly declaring he's going to enter the transfer portal unless he gets a raise is a very, very sharp statement. It's not an unfair statement in the sense that athletes have been doing this forever and people have been doing this forever. People demand raises at their jobs or they threaten to leave for other jobs literally all the time. In fact, you could make an argument that kids learning how to do that, how to assess their worth how to determine whether they should walk away from a job to try to get paid somewhere else. That's an important life skill, like a legitimately important life skill that people should learn in college or at least get some understanding of how that works. So the fact that these students are getting this, is that that's kind of an angle from this that I think needs to be highlighted a little bit more. These kids are learning valuable skills about the American workforce, about how capitalism works. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's unfair for us to shield them from that and say, this is not how it works here. But then once you go into the real world, good luck, you haven't learned any of these skills. And this was always my criticism of the NCAA and of not allowing students to profit off their name, image, and likeness. I worked in college athletics in academic support. And part of my job was career development, helping student athletes build resumes and find internships and you know pursue opportunities in their chosen field if they weren't going to be professional athletes. 
It's really was, it's easier now, it was really hard to do that when student athletes could not profit off their name, image, and likeness because up to that point, the relevant skills they had were part of who they were as athletes. So you can't use that to try to get a job. It was a very unfair situation. So I'm happy that has changed. But there are obviously some things that need to change here. This Isaiah Wong situation brings a lot of that to light very publicly in a way that is very stark comprom- or contrast to how college basketball has worked for all of us in what we've witnessed this sport. So I understand why there was a lot of reaction immediately upon seeing this. It looked so jarring to see a player basically holding out on his team for more money. That's just not something we're used to at all. But thinking about it a little bit more, understanding the skills that these players are learning, understanding that they're trying to assess their worth, you can understand why it's unfair to punish the... I hope you can understand why it's unfair, in my opinion, to punish the player for making these decisions. But clearly the NCAA or somebody is going to need to step in and figure out a way to regulate this before it gets even further out of hand. A couple more quick transfer updates before we move into the second segment. Dawes Amak, the big man from Utah Valley, who we've talked about a handful of times on this podcast. He is set to announce his college decision Friday at noon. Not sure that it matters. It sounds like he is going to Texas Tech to join the Red Raiders. Devion Harmon, who is a transfer guard out of the University of Oregon, committed to Texas Tech yesterday and tweeted, uh, quote tweeted Dawes Amac and said, dog, I know you're coming here. Why play or something along those lines, which effectively means that, yeah, Amac is going to Texas Tech. A bummer to lose him. He was a high-profile player that I think would have fit really well at Gonzaga. Team will turn their attention to Johnny Broom out of Moorhead State, Efton Reed out of LSU, perhaps Kenneth Lofton as well, a handful of names that they're still pursuing. We'll talk about them more uh, in a subsequent episode, but losing AMAC is a bummer. And then the last quick, quick transfer update I had, Khalil Shabazz from the University of San Francisco has entered the transfer portal after initially making it clear he was planning to stay at USF, Todd Golden was still the coach at the, of the Dons when he made that announcement. Now, Golden is over at Florida. It's hard not to imagine that there's potential for Shabazz to end up following his coach and joining him at Florida. Outside of Bouye, who is, of course, moving on to play professionally, and Yuhen Masalski, who is not planning to return to college. Uh, Shabazz is probably the only player on USF's roster who has the ability to play and contribute significantly at Florida. Uh, it sounds like Shabazz was very, very close to Todd Golden, like he loved him. He, he posted a really nice message about him when he left the, for the job. So this might make some sense that Shabazz is heading out east to Florida. He could also head back home to the University of Washington. He is a Seattle area kid. I don't think he's necessarily a fit for Gonzaga, although I wouldn't be surprised if they at least place a phone call there and see what he's thinking. I think he would absolutely play for Gonzaga and be a significant contributor, but I'm not sure if there's going to be a fit there or not. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're switching over to baseball, talking about the Gonzaga baseball team. They're still the number 12 ranked team in the country. They head into a big weekend series against LMU starting on Friday. But before we get there, let's talk about Built Bar. Summer is coming. And with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are filled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you tried the puffs yet? We're going crazy for the puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the mixed box. 
The mixed box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Bilt.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at Bilt.com. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zach. Switching over to talk Gonzaga's baseball team, the still number 12 ranked team in the country, at least according to D1 Baseball. They were number 12 last week. That was the highest ranking in school history in the Mark Metcalf era. They are still number 12. They have maintained basically exactly where they were in most of the media rankings. Perfect Game has them 9th. Baseball America has them 11th. USA Today has them down at 15th. College Baseball Nation, a magazine, they have them up at 7th. So this is still right in the range, top 10, top 15 team in the country, kind of right in that range. They maintained, uh, they went 2-2 two and two last week. They took 2-3 of three from the Gales of St. Mary's, but fell to Washington State on Tuesday. The big news for the baseball program, William Kempner is set to return on Sunday. Kempner has been out for a couple of weeks with an injury. We knew through a bullpen last week, we knew that meant he was going to be back in 7 to 10 days at the time, so it's not surprising to see him return in time to make his scheduled Sunday start. He had made three starts this season before he went down with an injury. He had a 1.69 ERA. Opposing players were only hitting 218 off of him, so this is a huge player to get back for Gonzaga during the stretch run of their baseball season. Should be shouted out, though, that Owen Wilde replaced Kempner in the rotation when he was out, and Wilde was awesome. He has a 5-1 record on the season. Five of Gonzaga's 26 wins belong to Wild. He had a 3.38 ERA, and now instead of being their third starter, he gets to be used in a higher leverage rollout of the bullpen. He also may start some of the Tuesday games down the stretch if Gonzaga has a handful more of those games. Uh, it's always nice to have more weapons out of the bullpen. Nice to have more healthy arms. So getting Kempner back, even though Owen Wilde was great in that role, getting to use Wilde in a different role is going to be a huge benefit for the Zags. All right, like we said, the Zags, two of three from the Gales. It was a very different series against St. Mary's, kind of the series that we expected uh, from some of the other teams where you just didn't expect there to be a whole lot of offense. That was the case here. The Zags scored 10 runs in three games. But St. Mary has only scored six. St. Mary scored six runs in three games against the Zags. The fact that they got a win out of that is pretty sad, to be honest. Uh, the Zags won four to nothing on Friday. Gabriel Hughes was amazing as always. He is now pretty much locked in as being a potential or likely first-round pick when the 2022 MLB draft rolls around in July. He has been absolutely cruising lately. But unfortunately, the Zags were unable to win on Saturday. They fell four to two. In that game, despite a nice start from Tristan Vreeling. And then they rebounded with their own 4-2 victory on Sunday. So again, they scored 10 runs in three games, but still secured two victories out of that. Then they fell 6-5 against the Cougars of Washington State on Tuesday. Tyler Rando, GU's first baseman, hit his first home run of the season. But the Zags made a throwing error in the eighth inning, which allowed a run to score, which was the go-ahead run and unfortunately ended up being the final run scored of the game. Now the Zags host LMU this weekend. LMU is 15-25-1 on the season. They are 11-7 in conference play. They played a really, 
really tough non-conference schedule. They played Utah, USC, Creighton, UC Santa Barbara, Kansas State, Cal State Fullerton, UCLA. All of those teams were played. UNLV in there as well. Tons of really good baseball programs on the schedule for LMU. So they lost a lot of games in the non-conference slate, but have rebounded to play fairly well. In conference play, they took two of three from the Toreros of San Diego. They took two of three from the Pilots of Portland as well. However, the Zags really need to take care of business here. This is a great opportunity. They've been having a lot of two out of three series lately. Really good chance to just take take a clean sweep, take three, get up to 29 wins on the season, potentially move themselves into a spot where they could be a top 10 team going into one of the final weeks of the regular season. All right, that is going to do it for segment two. We're going to come back in the third segment, we're going to share a listener-submitted story about their Gonzaga fandom. We're also going to talk on a few other quick notes that didn't make it into the first two segments. But before we get there, let's talk about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock should you be so inclined. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three. Still, Andy Patton still locked on Zags. Got a couple quick pro Zags updates before we share this week's story. The first update, Kevin Pangos has signed a new contract with Olympia Milano in Italy. Uh, this saga for Kevin Pangos appears to be coming to an end, thankfully. Pangos, of course, began the season this last season with the Cleveland Cavaliers, his first year in the NBA after six seasons playing in Europe after his Gonzaga career ended. Uh, after he got released by Cleveland partway through the season, he was signed to a team in Russia right around the time that Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, Kevin never reported to Russia. He had his contract nulled. Many other players uh, from non-Russian countries also had a similar deal with that team, so they did not have to report. Uh, after that happened, he kind of just hung out. Uh, I know he was still in the United States, but I don't know what he was doing. He was not signed to any other team. Now he is joining Olympia Milano. This is a good deal for him. Former Portland Trailblazer Sergio Rodriguez is playing for Milano right now, but his contract is expiring at the end of the season. So the reports I read said that Pangos was signed very quickly, basically as an immediate replacement for Rodriguez. Pretty cool to see him replacing a guy who I remember watching growing up playing in the NBA. Um, Milano is a very, very good EuroLeague team in Italy. They're still playing right now in the playoffs. Uh, so shout out to Kevin Pangos for getting another contract. He's going to be one of the best players in Europe again, provided that he is healthy. So I'm excited to see what he can do overseas. And then switching back to baseball, Wyatt Mills was called up by the Seattle Mariners, a former Gonzaga baseball player who was a third-round pick 
by the Mariners back in 2017. He made his MLB debut, debut excuse me, last season through 12.2 innings. Had a pretty ugly 9.95 ERA, but over 12 innings, that was probably just a little bit fluky. Uh, some of his advanced metrics for baseball statistics looked a little bit better than the 9.95 ERA indicates, so I'm imagining he will have more success this time around. Not sure how long he's going to be up. I think he was called up in part due to a series of injuries in Seattle's bullpen, but it's still very cool to see him up with the big club in the same state that he played his college ball and, of course, joined by another zag in Marco Gonzalez, who was hit by a pitch on his hand in his last outing and had to come out after just getting one out. But fortunately, it sounds like X-rays gave some positive news for, for, for Marco, so hopefully he'll be back very soon for the Mariners. All right, final moment of the show for this week. Of course, we've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. It's a new segment. Fan Story Friday is the tentative name. Maybe we'll come up with a better name for it. I initially was asking fans to share stories of times that they've uh, interacted with uh, Gonzaga alumni or Gonzaga players or coaches, whatever it may be. Many of the stories I've received have just been more about people's general Gonzaga fandom, and I very much appreciate those stories as well. This story today came from Wade via Gmail. It's a very heartwarming story about uh, connecting to sports through family, which is something that I think many people uh, who listen to this show, whether it's Gonzaga or another team, can can kind of relate to. So I'm just going to quote from Wade's uh, email right here. He says, I wanted to share my story with you, or rather a bit of my father's as well. I'm 32 and have been a Zag my whole life. Growing up in the 509 was a fairly obvious choice, and even more so because of my dad. He was a walk-on for Gonzaga in one of their first seasons post-World War II. He was a walk-on on the 58-59 team and would always tell me stories of how big Jean-Claude Lefebvre's head was and about Frank Burgess playing against Elgin Baylor at, at Seattle. Sadly, father passed away last June after a 10-year battle with cancer. We had a lot of differences and didn't always have the best relationship over the years, but Gonzaga basketball was the one thing we were able to bond over, and in many ways was one of the only things helping me maintain my relationship with him. One of my fondest memories is going to the 2017 Final Four with him. And unfortunately, he wasn't physically strong enough to go to Indy last year, but I made the trip for both of us. It's been our dream to see the Zags cut down those final nets, and when it happens, I'll be there with him in spirit to see it. This is a wonderful story, Wade. Thank you so much for sharing. I think uh, so many people can relate to to sharing sports with their parents. Uh, I think a lot of people can also relate to potentially having somewhat strained relationships with their family. So so to see this story kind of combine both of those things as well as Gonzaga basketball is, is beautiful. Uh, I can, I'm 31 and I can't imagine the pain that goes with losing a father. Uh, so I, I sympathize with you. Uh, I, you know, give thoughts, prayers, whatever it may be for, for that, for the passing there. Uh, hopefully, as you said, Gonzaga will be cutting down the net someday and that you and your father can enjoy that uh, together. All right. That is going to do it for me today and for this week. we got Mailbag coming up next week. We, of course, got a few more of our individual season player wrap-ups all right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcast and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA Draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.